Hello, and welcome to How Books Are Made, a podcast about the art and science of making books. I'm Arthur Atwell. There have been many times in my publishing career when I've realized with some shock that the thing I'm publishing needn't be book-shaped at all. I once published a children's book that would have sold better as a calendar. I once published a dictionary that really should have been a database. And I've published textbooks that really should also have been online courses. When you're a bookmaker, everything can look book-shaped, because the shape of books is so darn beautiful. So it takes guts and luck to publish book-like content in other ways. That's not to say books per se aren't downright wonderful. What I mean is that sometimes the book is only one of the ways we might package and sell complex ideas. Many publishers have put their bookmaking skills to work on websites, apps, and online courses for years. So this isn't new, but it isn't widespread either. Till now, that is, Over the last year, the pandemic has accelerated digitization to warp speed, and pretty much every bookmaker in the world is wondering what this means for their business. So, I wanted to speak to someone who was ahead of the wave, someone leading a stable publishing business with a long track record of publishing in ways that aren't book-shaped. Raghunandan Malik is a director of the Eastern Book Company, a three-generation family business and India's leading provider of legal information. He's a positive, thoughtful leader, and an old friend I haven't spoken to in far too long. Raghunandan, it is such a pleasure to chat to you on the podcast. Thanks so much for taking some time to speak with me today. It's great to be here, and and I think it's exceptional that after a very, very long time, we've kind of caught up again. Yeah, it has been many years since we first met in Ahmedabad, I think. and then uh, Cape Town, but we haven't actually caught up for a long time, so that's great. I think we're both a bit older. Oh, yeah, a lot older with children. Yep. Yeah, and uh, families, and and, uh, yeah, and and it's it's been a very, very big change since we last caught up. I am excited to talk about your work, your background, Eastern Book Company, of course, and the last year, which has been especially interesting. One of the things that you've been deeply involved in Uh, over several years now, is overseeing quite a major transformation for the Eastern Book Company, so much so that you've told me that much of your business isn't really in books anymore as such, Yeah. although that's still doubtless an important part. Of course, EBC's history goes back to the 1940s, am I right? And I'm, I'm guessing here from a magazine article that I found that it started with your grandfather and his brother selling law books in Lucknow. Have I got that right? Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, that is a very, very long time indeed uh, ago that the company was started. It was started actually in 1942. Hmm. And uh, actually, my grandfather moved from Jhang in, in Punjab, uh, which is now part of Pakistan. Uh, and they came uh, without a penny in his pocket to India. And uh, today, uh, Eastern Book Company has become the largest legal publisher and information provider in South Asia. It's been a major, major change. Uh, But I guess he came at a time when India had just become 
or was about to become a republic and and we just got independence in 1947 and we kind of wanted to contribute to the building up of the country mm. and uh, he he thought the one of the best ways of doing that was to contribute to contribute to the indian legal system right. with quality legal information right yeah because i suppose india was building and of course a, a long legal tradition but was probably at a moment where it was also reinventing a lot about itself uh, and so i suppose legal publishing was was a critical part of that yeah yeah and and you kind of hit the nail right on the head on that and and it was uh, i mean there, there there were books on law but none of them were by indian authors so we were mm. one of the f- we were the first to publish a book by an indian author in 1950 the date that the constitution was actually ratified by parliament wow. so uh and 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 we kind of got uh, going from there on we were the first to do uh, digest on indian law and then uh, so f- uh, so far onwards and then in digital in in a big way uh, when we launched the first cdrom based uh, legal database scc online in 1997 wow yeah yeah and uh, the first uh, online legal e-commerce store in india we were not the first in e-commerce itself but we were the first in legal e-commerce i mean law legal products mm. first to offer that in in india and then uh, the first e-book reader in law right and now recently we've done an eee learning so we're the first in e-learning so many first to the company's name not all of them are done by me but yeah. many first to the company's name and we kind of always had a very uh, fond uh, this thing for entrepreneurship in the company and i think that's where we are at this point yeah it can be tough being being the pioneer and being the first because that's the riskiest uh, role to play often yeah i i think that is by far the riskiest that you can uh, this thing but yeah i i guess uh, in in a certain sense we were the first and we also then got the rewards of being the first in the industry as a result of it. and today you know, you help run a company with about 500 staff yeah and i guess there's quite a story behind that that goes back decades but i wanted to zoom in on one particular detail that i find fascinating personally which is that several years ago you decided to learn to code as in code computer <laughs> programming <laughs> what's the story behind that yeah so uh this was uh, i think this was a really long time ago a very long time ago uh Yeah this is I am mean, thinking back yes uh, coding it was a very happy time to do that um in 2005 and 6 I think that's when I was in Singapore I had completed my graduation and joined a consultancy called Red Pill Solutions a technology consultancy which is now part of IBM I know I I I wanted to uh, keep working there but at the same time I saw that India in India there was a e-commerce and an internet revolution that was kind of happening and, and and you could see that it was just about taking off and i was just i i couldn't see anybody doing much about it and in, and in the legal field it was particularly i i i realized that there was an opportunity there when i saw uh, what kind of experience that legal bookstores were offering in india wasn't that great mm-hmm. uh, and i was like fascinated by that opportunity So uh, I I took a little bit of I did a little bit of part-time work on the side and I uh, learned Perl and uh, then subsequently PHP okay and uh, coded myself a little bit of a website uh, for selling uh, books online fantastic <laughs> since uh, <laughs> Amazon was all the rage at that point in time and 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 I could see that 
uh, this, there's nothing like that happening in India and we could offer a, a technological solution where people could just come online and, and buy a law book online. Yeah. And uh, it was it it was it it was an exceptional experience, and I think exactly that that was the first time round. And subsequently, of course, I've also had the opportunity to learn Objective C, where I've coded uh, the first version of our app for e-reading called EBC Reader, which I launched uh, in 2014. After that, so it it was it it's been a it's been a great ride uh, doing that activity. Yeah, it's it's it, it was it was fascinating. Absolutely. Yeah. I just I love that uh, insight because you know you look at a big company and you're pretty much running the show and and yet you're still actually coding the products. Is it something you <laughs> you still work on today, or when did you have to leave that behind? Because uh, you know running a company is a busy job, uh, and coding is a whole other world. I agree. I agree. I, I uh, that yes, it is a whole other world, and uh, but I think a part of the reason why I coded in 2014 was because. EBC is not, it was never based out of one of the metros. It was based out of a very small town uh, called Lucknow in, in northern India. And we didn't have any programmers in Objective-C that are available on the market. So I had to take on that that kind of that challenge uh, to do that. But having said that, uh, I think the underlying technology, if you understand that, there's, there's a lot that, that you can subsequently do with that. And uh, like I tell myself that almost anything is possible in code. Mm. And that makes it possible for me to challenge my team right. to kind of uh, do the impossible with code. Yeah. Plus, I think that also gives, uh, I don't know if, if you've ever seen this, that among coders, uh, there's this strong sense of a meritocratic community <laughs> where they very strongly believe or they will only go to people who at least understand who they look as one of their own, sure. as somebody who they can look up to. And so if you are to actually lead a technology company or at least an information technology in our case, then you will need to understand the technological problems that they may potentially face. And it's great for them to have somebody who they can look up to. Sure makes an immense difference yeah it does it does and, and i and i think uh the only thing is i i feel that maybe i'm, I'm too involved with the technology itself <laughs> and and and, <laughs> and you tend to go uh in in that uh word that direction uh which uh you have to restrict yourself i guess after a bit once you have a team in place yeah 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 absolutely yeah. and then pick good people that are i suppose better at it than you and trust that you're hiring people who are better at it than you. Absolutely, absolutely. So that is the only way to grow. That is the only way to grow. But you you do get a feel for the right person also when, when you code yourself. You understand which are concepts and, and what, what are you looking for in those people when you do the recruitment. If you understand coding yourself, then, then you really know how to do that well. And I think that allows an organization to grow. Yeah. yeah. And, and during all that growth, particularly as you take a have over the years taken a bigger and bigger role in a long-standing family business. How do you balance the weight of all that tradition and legacy and history and expectation, I suppose, with the need to modernize and innovate in the company? Is that a difficult thing to balance? <laughs> I, I, I think you've uh, kind of identified an area that uh, is, is another area that I'm passionate about. So I think the family has always been very, very focused on education. Mm. And, and I tell my family that the biggest uh, mistake that they made 
was actually educating the next generation. <laughs> because when you educate the next generation, then they <laughs> then they're going to come up with the ideas. And, and you'd better be prepared for those, right? <laughs> so it, it's not going to be <laughs> it's not going to be uh, something that you can put down because ideas tend to lead the man rather than the other way around. I, I think. Uh, mm. In our family, we say that if all's going well, then every generation is an upgrade. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so as a parent, you need to be ready for that. Sorry, you were saying. Yeah. No, I, I was saying that. Having said that, the other thing that comes is is. Uh, Communication, communication, communication. Uh, we may be a family of entrepreneurs, but if we don't communicate, we don't give the reasons of to why the next step has to be taken. Mm. I think then everybody may not be necessarily on board. And I think this tradition we've kind of continued. So we, we're not just, it wasn't just a stopgap arrangement where we kind of did our uh, postgraduate education and then we kind of finished off. We've been uh, continuing to invest in education for everyone in, in who, who's part of the family, who's part of the board. So I have uh, been to Stanford Business School, so did no executive education there. So that, that shows, and I've been there a couple of times now. But it's been, mm. that kind of gives you the power of ideas and the motivation to keep on innovating and kind of pursuing those dreams, yeah. And I know that Eastern Book Company describes itself as a legal information provider. And then increasingly, you don't focus that innovation side of the business on, on bookmaking as such. Uh, my sense is that right back to the 1960s, when it began publishing Supreme Court cases, EBC had a deep sense that it's in the business of providing legal information, broadly speaking, and that the book, in quotes, uh, was for the time being a useful way to provide legal information. And now, how do you think about that relationship between the book, of the form of the book, and as just one vehicle for information, um, and the book as, a, as an end in itself? You know, we're, we're making books versus we're providing legal information, because there must be a whole host of philosophical and strategic decisions to make around your engagement with books as a product and legal information as a service. Yeah, uh, and I think you've kind of hit the nail uh, right on the head. And this is a topic that I'm supremely passionate about. I, I think uh, that uh, uh, publishers need to recognize that we are in the business of information technology in the truest sense of the word. Uh, we are actually the people who you need to own uh, the IT word. We are as much a part of the information production as the technology part of it. And, and, and I think a book uh, publishing from the very beginning was, has always been, a, 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 you know, has been an information technology business, except that, you know, it's somewhere along the way it got muddled a little bit. Our understanding that we were just publishers of books mm. and rather than providing an information or a service that, that customers need. And uh, I think uh, what also goes without saying is, is that book continues to innovate as a method of technology. I mean, and look at how far it has come. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think there are many, many new things happening. Look at uh, print-on-demand technology. Look at smart pens. Sure. Smart books with IoT embedded within them. Mm -hmm. And uh, augmented reality and, and smart speakers within books, etc. That I, I, I think children's books are the way that you can look at how is completely changing and, and how fast they adopt new technologies. Yes, I'm very fascinated with what, what's kind of happening uh, there. Yeah, one of the exciting things about having a young child is that uh, 
you, it's such a great reason to keep up with what's happening in children's books. You get to buy them guilt-free <laughs> and enjoy them. And uh, you're right, there's so much innovation there. That's really interesting. Now, I, I love talking about the, the real nitty-gritty, the, the, the hard concrete details of what goes on in a company that makes or sells books or makes books possible. What, right now, what kinds of work are going on in your company? What are, what are the people doing? What, what sort of things are happening? Yeah, so the uh, biggest thing that uh, all of us are kind of coping with at this point in time is uh, basically the pandemic has completely changed our physical books business, right? particularly because of the fact that bookstores are closed, uh, customers cannot access those, our, our, our books can't be printed and shipped in the same quantities that they could earlier, access to authors or meeting people is, is difficult. So to that extent, the books business has changed considerably. Uh, however, what that has kind of done also is that has given a fillip to our e-commerce driven business. So where there can be significant separation, uh, physical separation, of course, e-books and e-courses. And uh, I think what we're kind of really focusing on at this point is on rapidly scaling technological solutions to to, to the books business and, and, and building up that. And, uh, and for customers, also the adoption of technology is, is something that they are very, very keen on doing at this point in time. Yeah. We've been just simply trying to meet market demand for our digital products. And I think that's what we're kind of like fully focused on 100%. Have you had to change people's skills through training and just immersing them in technology? Or have you had to bring in different technology people and either let go of or uh, slowly reskill people who in the business who weren't involved with the technology side of it? Well, the good bit is is that for us, our customer base remains the same and the product remains the same. So given that, I think what we are focusing on with the team as, as a whole is training and retraining. Yep. And, and, and for them, uh, whether it is our sales staff or our editorial staff, uh, for them, they have... Some of the relationships, they understand the people who are behind, who produce the information or, or the customers who buy the information. But it's just a question of, of learning new skills. I mean, we've been training our sales staff, for example, on technology tools for presentations, on meetings with Zoom, mm. on doing digital payments with customers and familiarizing them with our digital products. They already have the connect with the end customers. And, and that's what's sure. terrific about, about that. But at the same time, our, our, our editorial teams also need to adopt a technology in big ways. For example, our e-courses e or our e-learning, EBC learning, as we're calling it here, is, is another big step in, in, in terms of recording a video for the first time. And that's been a major change for, Interesting. for, for our video editors to kind of uh, take up. But having said all of that, but it's also a psychological transition, mm. not just a, 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 a skill-based transition where people need to understand that this is a business which which moves faster and the changes immediately reflect an impact on the world. And the tools for marketing are so much faster and more powerful. So it's been a lot of training and retraining and, and they've been delighted to just do this. That's really fantastic. I also have a sense from companies I've uh, either consulted in or leaders I've spoken to over the years that Often in a publishing company in a transition between print and digital, you end up with two parts of the company. One half of the company doing book editing and layout or in the old 
traditional way and another part of the company, sometimes physically separated, you've got this tech team doing databases and running web servers. Uh, and that sometimes there ends up being a tension between those sides of the business and, and, a, and a split in the minds of leaders between dealing with these two sides of the business. Uh, and yet the most successful companies have found ways to, to get those sides integrated. How have you found that process uh, at EBC? I, I think uh, since uh, people are willing to learn and, and there is a, a great deal, there's a great sense in this entire country as a whole mm. of uh, familiarizing oneself with computers and adopting computers as the way forward. I mean, look at how well the Indian IT majors have done. And yeah. part of it is because every farmer in the country wants his child or her child to become a, a computer professional. Right. And, and they see the success there. And, and so you see uh, the aspirations of the country and the people as a whole to kind of adopt technology and to adopt computerization is, is a big deal. So I think that kind of gets reflected in our workforce also. As long as we are willing to provide them with tools, I don't see that there is a division or tension between these two sides of the business. They all want to learn. They all want to read. Uh, you just provide them with tools. I mean, there are many, many online learning tools that we've been, we've been providing our, our, our uh, complete uh, workforce with. And, and they have been using those on their own, on their own time, learning from those, wow. coming back with ideas and, and helping adopt it because they do recognize that is the future. Why should they be left out of that? And they see people around them doing it. They, they see their own children adopting it. <laughs> so they're, they're as fascinated to get on with, uh, uh, you know, with, with these tools as, as we are. It's one uh, seamless transition to us to that extent uh, for uh, these people to come on board. That's just wonderful. I think there are a lot of leaders of companies in the world who would love to have that perspective so embedded in in a broader kind of culture and outlook and just shows just why we've seen such extraordinary uh, innovation and productivity uh, from Indian publishing services companies and publishing companies over the last 10, 15 years. It's kind of been a little dizzying actually uh, to see it happen. It's exciting. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and if you look at it, I mean, uh, TCS became the third largest uh, technology company in the world very very re recently and that tells you uh, which, which is an indian company so it became i mean of course ibm and and, and all, I mean, all these are uh, much ahead of it but as a, as a service provider as an it service provider they became one of the third largest and, and that shows you whether ambition of the indian population as in general is 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 going so the pandemic over the last year we've been talking about how that's changed a lot about how we work, certainly has had a huge effect on publishing. Oddly, in much of the world, book selling has actually done pretty well over the last year. I think it's a lot of people at home with extra time on their hands, buying books online and reading them. So that's good for a lot of traditional publishers. But also, I think it's exposed a lot of weaknesses or inevitable changes that needed to happen in publishing. Uh, certainly been a, an accelerant of, of digitization, as you've mentioned. If you look back over the last 12 months, I think it's almost ex almost exactly a year since most of our countries started seeing our first cases. What at EBC in particular got accelerated for you 12 months ago and uh, and over the over the last year? Well, <laughs> well I uh, Arthur, if you look at it, uh, uh, when uh, 
the pandemic happened a lot of people were very keen to get hold of fiction and things that they could just simply read in their spare time in terms of physical books mm-hmm. however since it affected at least in our business it affected the courts in a big way and and the lawyers in 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 a very very big way it kind of affected our physical business very very hard and in fact we were not able to get products to end customers other than our e-commerce stores and uh, that did make a huge difference however that did supercharge all of our electronic businesses and mm-hmm. and we saw the result of of that schools and colleges were closed and there there needed to be a method to educate students in law uh which could use technology so we saw uh our ebooks business yeah, that is ebc reader reach out to all the schools and colleges one after one where they got after us that you know uh give us a solution and and uh we kind of grew at uh, over 500% in this time period uh because of because uh, the market needed it and and there had to be a solution to mm-hmm. of, of overcoming the challenge that faced them and uh, uh the students and teachers needed to keep learning needed to keep communicating there had to be access to legal information which we uh, which mm-hmm. they did not have access to otherwise so a lot of schools and uh, and 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 uh lawyers adopted our e-commerce or our ebooks uh, solutions and uh, what also happened is that uh, we were earlier not able to make an inroad on our e learning uh, business ebc learning which also got zoomed out uh, zoomed uh, through this pandemic and mm-hmm. and we saw rapid adoption at the customer end as a result of the pandemic where people saw that as as a great alternative to in fact uh, reading books they had time on their hands and and they, mm-hmm. and they still continue to use those uh, tools to keep learning what better time to invest than during the pandemic when you can invest in yourself in a big way to grow your uh, your skill set so we saw a, a big change in the electronic part of the business but however very hard hit on the physical part of our business where physical offtake was 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 severely challenged yeah it did get i think it it kind of like got supercharged if we all zoomed into the future by 10 to 15 years because of the pandemic because it also means doing about 10 to 15 years of work in about 6 months yeah. and that's kind of terrifying right shipping <laughs> technology product faster than you would like because the demand is there that's that's nerve-wracking that is that is however for us it was very very fortunate that our ebooks products was almost all ready okay we didn't have the ip based version but we had the ebooks product was almost all ready our e learning product has just kind of finished development and was like almost live uh so we just had to do a few things but it, you know it was hectic we worked d- even during the lockdown periods in india and we kind of made sure that the products were made available because that was the only way that customers could actually consume and we could keep on running the business and and keep our people employed and continue to pay them as well as uh, keep our suppliers happy with with payments there yeah i mean all of this caused a major cash flow problem within the company and and it happened across the world and uh, i think this kind of gave us the fuel to keep going otherwise that may not have happened sure you know now we're a year later we've all learned a lot <laughs> about our ourselves and our businesses <laughs> it's been a ride and and we may be far from the end if you were to look back at your self learning at stanford about how businesses run what do you think would change what would you add to what was taught there given what you've learned over the last few years and particularly over the last year about 
priorities in a publishing business and, and how you should think about what you need to get done. <laughs> uh, Putting you on the spot here. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> uh, well, I think Stanford gave me more than the education. It, it gave me an enthusiasm for innovation and entrepreneurship. And I think that kind of carried through the pan pandemic. But coming back to your question with respect to priorities, I, I think we learned to put our people first. We learned to prioritize on making payments to them first. And we realized that those are our most valuable resources. They talk about product market fit. They talk about uh, getting your business to scale. They talk about all of that at Stanford, but they don't tell you that if you don't have the people to do that, it's it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. So you just have to keep them employed. I mean, they're the most severely affected in all of this. So you have to keep uh, helping them with their projects and, and what they are doing. And, and I think that's what I learned during this pandemic. And, and I think that's been a remarkable uh, learning for me. And it's been a, a quite a challenge to, in fact, to keep doing that. Sure. To keep providing for those, given the restrained cash flows, given the issues with respect to the market, all of that. And they have also come forward equally to kind of help at each step of the way with the company to kind of make that possible. Mm. Uh, and they they went out of their way. Uh, they, they, they took, in certain cases, they took the first step. They, they took the initiative, they took, uh, I mean, they, they gave their, their, their full to the company and I was very, very proud of that. I, I think I, I didn't even anticipate that. It, it was quite uh, revealing it's extraordinary. for me as, as, a, as, a, as an entrepreneur and as a person. The relationship between a, an employee and the business is such a precious and fragile thing and you only really know whether it's a healthy, good relationship, I suppose, when it's tested in a moment like this and, and the employee understands that they're part of an organism and a community. Uh, and that's just wonderful to hear. That's, I think it speaks volumes about the quality of the company and uh, the quality of, of its people and its leaders. So yeah, well done on that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. Thanks to the Lord for making all of that possible for us to survive this it's been a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think those challenges will continue for a while at least. Uh, what do you think, looking forward over the next three, six, 12 months, are the things you're looking forward to uh, and the things that you think are a little scary for all of us that uh, we need to be ready for, as particularly as business leaders? Well, I'd answer that question uh, with two points there. First, of course, I think we're expecting that the habits that customers are adopting, especially with respect to uh, the transition into technology, are, are going to be permanent changes that we will see going forward. And uh, I, I expect that there will be even faster uh, work that may be required on that front by us as a company and maybe by the entire publishing industry as a whole. Where, where the transition to digital may be a lot, lot faster than we anticipated earlier. Mm. Uh, that is one part of it. And, and secondly, I do want to travel as soon as I can. 
<laughs> which is uh, on a very very personal level so i'm i'm hoping that somewhere along the way that the the vaccine will kind of kick in for all of us and and we'll kind of see that the the, the world is free and rid of this pandemic once and for all mm-hmm. uh, let's hope that happens soon and like you very rightly said that it is still a very long way off uh, i pray that it will happen as soon as possible and we all get to meet each other and and to be with our families and people who we know as soon as possible but yeah. also to maybe travel as 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 far as we can and as wide as we can yeah see this amazing world we felt very separate and yet all facing the same challenge it's a strange double life that we lead yeah raganandan it's been such a wondrous pleasure chatting to you and catching up uh i've learned a lot as well so thanks again so much for taking the time and joining me Thank you Arthur it's it's been exceptional and and I really look forward to meeting up with you in person soon and uh thank you so much for having me on your podcast and thank you for listening if you enjoyed this it would be such a help if you'd take a moment to share that with a friend or on social media you'd be amazed at the effect that every share has on our downloads so thanks for that too you can point people to howbooksaremade.com where I'll also post links to things we talked about today. We'll also add a transcript of this conversation there. How Books Are Made is supported by Electric Bookworks, where my team and I make books all day, every day, in sunny Cape Town, South Africa.